Hello, and welcome to the podcast M&A Stories, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I'm Robert Heaton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Toby Tester. In these podcasts, Toby and I share our experiences on various projects that we've both been involved in over the course of our careers, talking about things that have gone well, things that didn't go too well, and things that just completely failed. The purpose of this is that we're hoping that our listeners will learn some valuable lessons from those experiences and that those lessons can be taken forward into your M&A projects. We hope you enjoy listening, so let's get this podcast underway. Hey, Toby, good morning. How are you today? Fabulous, Robert. Fabulous. Hey, I, I can see we've reversed the tables. From what I see on the weather forecast, it is throwing it down with rain in Sydney. I can tell you now the weather here in Sydney is absolute shit. <laughs> Got one back on you because it's beautiful sunshine <laughs> and clear skies here. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's howling with wind and rain and oh my God. I think it's only going to last a day and then it's going to come clear and bright and sunny. Well, anyway, Most- he's hoping. Most probably. And of course, Melbourne, we don't even have to wait today. We get all seasons in one day. One day, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, now, we can actually add another uh, weather insight today because I've actually got Stefan Hoffmeyer with us from uh, Global PMI Partners. And of course, Stefan's based in San Francisco. So I think it's good afternoon, Stefan, isn't it? Yes, it's uh, 4.14 p.m. So good afternoon here. And it's, and it's bright, sunshiny day here in sunny California, up here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, that sounds idyllic. Just perfect time to be down on the bay, I guess. Now, uh, we're really grateful that you've joined us as a guest for this podcast, Stefan. And I notice you're going to talk about emotional intelligence during M&A. And that's a, a, a really important topic for, you know, both from your point of view and mine, and I think Toby as well. But just to put you on the spot, what, why did you choose this topic? Well, you know what? It's a great topic for me. It's, it's a nuanced, soft skill that employees within organizations and leaders should have. And it's really important during MA integration when there's a lot happening. You know, just as we've experienced here over the last several months, I think it was in February, we were drinking a beer together, Rob, in Melbourne. In these last five months, I can't even come to Australia to visit. And so in personal lives, things change dramatically and we don't expect it. And it's the same with in organizations as well. So whether if you've been in a company for five years, 10 years, 20 years, or even one year, and you're doing your job, you're doing it day in and day out, all of a sudden an acquisition occurs. And if you're on the the, the buy side or the sell side, your world is going to change. And having a a way to navigate it with emotional intelligence is is extremely important from what I've found. That's interesting, Stefan. So what, what is it about this topic that, you know, you find particularly interesting or enjoyable from your, your own perspective? <laughs> well, let's start from a personal perspective. When I'm at a, say, a party and I'm talking to someone, I, I get attracted to people who are of interest. And, and usually we connect and dive deep on whatever topic that is. And, and all of a sudden we start strategizing long-term plans and things of that nature. And so that, that's who I am. And I think as consultants, that's a lot of who we are. When you come from a, from a business perspective and you're working with executives and employees, you know, I enjoy the conversation in a very same way. It's your understanding what drives an individual from a leadership or employee perspective in order to, to be successful um, within an organization. And so that's what drives me. 
as, as you guys know, and when I'm on a client side as a consultant, uh, a lot of the employees, they'll come in and drop in and say hi. Now they're, they're doing that for several reasons, right? First is, is they're looking for some information, maybe some take on my view of the world. They see me as more of an unbiased person because I'm not trying to angle for a new position in, in the new organization. And they may also want to chat with me to maybe push some back channel information up to the executive team to help them drive us to where they want to go. And so uh, there's a really good opportunity to meet employees through that manner of being on, on a project. Do you guys see that as well when you're on project engagements? Yeah, I've got to say, I, I definitely do. And what I was just thinking when you were talking there, Stefan, is that employees will often come and, as you say, they drop by the office on a casual basis. Mm -hmm. often wanting to also validate what's being told to them by the executives in the business and to sort of do a, a, a double check to make sure that that's what they heard. And of course, in some cases, they also think that you've got some sort of curry with the executive team and you can therefore put favorable words in for promotions and the, the spot positions that are coming up. But I also find it a great place to pick up the vibes as well. So those drop, mm -hmm. I encourage those drop-ins because yeah. people will come and you can pick up the vibe, chew the fat about how they're feeling, how their team members are feeling and so on. And it gives you some really good indicators into the the health check, if you like, of the, the mm -hmm. M&A progress. What about yourself, Toby? Yeah, I think it's because of the role in itself when you're coming in from outside. Because I think you need to see yourself occupying a number of roles. So you might be a consultant, you're often sometimes a program manager as well, but you're also seen as an ambassador or a bridge builder or a coach or a facilitator. In other words, there's multiple roles you're playing here and people see that and, and will come to you and have conversations with you. And it comes down to a case of what, what role do I play here? You know, am I an ambassador here? Am I creating connections uh, with the other side? And I think that's where that emotional intelligence, which I know Stefan's going to go into, is so critical. Yeah, and you know, and, and what you guys are talking about is exactly what I feel as well. And what's interesting about that is they'll come in and they may have the wanting to get more information or to you know send some information back channel as mentioned earlier. But what I find uh, that it's really good to do is, is basically turn that a little bit and to start talking about what the employee is really looking to get out of collaborating with you, right? So they may say, hey, I want to push this up, but why do you want to push up that information or what are your concerns? And, and, and how, how, how can I help you in your role? And, and one of the things that I find interesting is, and this is why I love dealing with M&A integration and emotional intelligence, is this is a good opportunity for, for us to really to, to make a big difference for that individual. And one of the things that I see, and whether that person in the new organization that's being built through acquisition, you know, do they have a, a new role where they can aspire and, and escalate their career? Are they even staying in their own role and, and how can they best navigate that? And as importantly, if they are identified as redundant, you know, how to handle that and how to handle it in a way that is actually a net positive for everybody. You know, in, in my background, the worst case is someone's kind of marked for redundancy. They know it, everybody knows it and, and everybody stays away from them, right? And they, they sort of have a, a negative attitude and, and everybody does. Some sort of pariah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what you can do is like working with the executives in the firm as well as, you know, this person has dignity. They've really, they most likely have done a really good job. And, and you're helping that person through this discussion say, hey, you know what, if you're leaving, you're leaving with your head held 
high and getting people to help them find new jobs, have good references, and really memorialize the work that they've done. And so that type of emotional intelligence is not only good for that person, and if they can go off feeling confident, that's great, but it's also good because when you see leaders in that role, the employees that are staying with the firm, they're going to look at that leader and they're going to see how that leader worked with the the folks that are no longer with the company and how they were treated. Uh, And so that nuance to emotional intelligence to me is is really important in in a a setting that, you know, maybe not as positive you like, but can be more positive than a lot of cases. Just to summarize, Stefan, a lot of employees will come to you, you know, and often there's a sort of grievance. There's a sort Mm -hmm. of an issue that they want to come to. And I think you're there really to help them move on from their current situation to something in a way that's positive, that, as you say, helps them treat them with respect and dignity so that they can actually manage their own future, but also not be a detriment to the work that needs to go ahead as well. So there's no sort of bad blood or or, or bad feelings, because otherwise that can actually cause a negative impact on the integration overall. You know what, one of the things that's just been occurring to me as I've listened to Stefan and to to you as well, Toby, is what we're really talking about here is that the unofficial communication channel, uh, as well as the official communication channel in an M&A. So you're going to have the usual communication strategy that's going across the project. But what we're talking about here is the, the back channel that is just as important in, in, if not sometimes more important mm. for people to be able to voice their opinions, to seek views and so on and so forth, and to have some consistency in communication. And, and I guess that's my number one as far as M&A, you know, uh, consistent, clear communication is, is the key. But I, I'm interested in your view, Stefan. How have you seen communication fit in around the emotional intelligence issue? Well, you know, there's a couple things around communication, especially as the executive team. I'll talk about that in a second. But just to, to kind of tie up the loose ends around these one-on-one meetings with employees and how employees can be successful, you know, the way I see it, and this is this is consulting 101 I know, so I'm speaking to you guys who are very, very experienced in this, but always come with uh, solutions versus problems, right? And so usually when people will, will come to the office, they will come with a grievance. You know, I don't like this, how this is going. There's some problems here. It's like, well, you know, it's very hard as a consultant to use that back channel and, and bring up grievances. It's much better to come with a solution to help you out. And so what is the solution to the thing you're working on? And if you can promote that, you know, directly as an employee to get your recognition, great. If I can help you promote that, that's great too. But coming with those solutions really enables people to be seen as leaders within organizations as well. So any comments on that before I switch over to the communications? I wanted to, wanted to uh, tie that up. No, I think that's what we've been saying so far. Great summary. Exactly. So on the communications, there, there are two things that, that really come to mind. And, and now I'm thinking from an executive level, from, a, say, a senior manager up to a CEO level. And there's, there's two points of it. One, one deals with direct communications and one deals with culture. So let me talk about communications first. Communications during a, a merger acquisition, you know, the big points are, you know, when a deal is announced, Typically, when, it, when a deal is closed and you have a series of all heads meetings to, to roll that out to staff, and then also two on an ongoing basis post-close. 
And what I want to focus on in the conversation that we're having today is about um, communications for those all hands meetings. I'd love for you guys to chime in on, on this too. So, so get some responses ready. But you know, what I see is, is the CEO, it's typically giving the, the all hands meeting and they're really excited about rolling out the new, the new company. They, 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 they get the presentation together. You know, the investors are going to love it. The team's going to love it. We're going to combine these two companies and we're going to just, just dominate our industry, cross-sell, upsell, all that great stuff. And so they get out there and they talk about how investors are going to be successful and how the company is going to be successful. They oftentimes, more likely than not, forget about the employee right? (laughs) They assume that the employee is really excited about the success of the business. But that's not first and foremost what's on the employee's mind, right? The first thing on the employee's mind is, am I going to have a job? What's my position going to be? What are my benefits going to be? Is is a new person that's going to be my manager, am I going to like him or her? And, and, and yes, the company being successful is good, but it's those individual items that affect uh, each employee. Um, that's really what they care about uh, during those meetings. And if, if that's not addressed up front in these executive meetings, then they're just going to be waiting to hear about that. Well, the, the executive talk a lot about how wonderful the company's going to be. They're just going to be sitting there thinking those thoughts over and over again. So it's really important. And this goes to the empathy and the emotional intelligence to know what your audience needs to know as an executive. And I think that's really part of an important piece of the communication that needs to go on around the time of deal announcement, but most importantly, during all hands meetings after close. Any thoughts there, guys? Yeah, let me let me kick in because I mean yeah. I, I I've got a practical example of that. I remember an M and A project that went really well, and the CEO was the the figurehead of the deal. And in his communication, he had two sets of communication, exactly the same information, but one set was structured so that it was focused on the board and the executive team. And as you've just alluded, Stefan, it was about mm-hmm. excitement and growth and future and so on and so forth. And that same information was then repackaged and delivered a different way at the all hands meetings. And it was very people focused. It was about mm-hmm. how is this going to benefit everybody in the room? How is this going to be positive for all of us going forward? And it made a massive difference to the feeling and the culture across the business when he did that. And, and that, for me, is the way to do it. I'd also chime in here because and this is how I've seen it done often before, and, and including the way I've done it myself, is that in the first day, or certainly in that week, where there are tough decisions to be made regarding employees, they're made. Mm-hmm. In other words, if senior executives need to leave the company, they leave on the day. So yep. as soon as the deal's done, then the, you know, those who have been earmarked actually do go and, or perhaps, you know, they might leave on the day or maybe leave in a few weeks so that, you know, transfer ha- occurs. But nonetheless, that's done. The other thing is, is that where there are redundancies or where there are changes in conditions, that needs to be communicated right up front. So mm-hmm. absolutely, no, make sure there's no ambiguity here because otherwise that will just fester. And then mm-hmm. the good news and the positive things were people just won't listen to it. it. Won't they won't understand? So in a way, there's a there's a slight Machiavellian element here. You've got to actually go in hard and fast. 
mm-hmm. uh, and do it in the first one or two days where this is tough decisions need to be made. There's a, there's a perfect LinkedIn, Toby, because that reminds me again of a phrase I've used regularly. And <clears throat> it's not mine, it's from a, an old boss of mine. He always had this view. When you've made a decision, act swiftly, which is what you're saying. But he had a, a second piece to this, which was, but act fairly. Mm. And so, yes, if executives are going to go, make the decision, act quickly on it, but make sure that you act fairly on it so that irrespective of whether it's an executive or somebody from the shop floor that's being let go, there's a degree of fairness in it because that is seen then by the rest of the organisation. So Toby had to leave the business, but hey, they really looked after him and they did so-and-so and X, Y, and Z. Uh, uh, That's really important. And what's really interesting with that, you, you know, doing it fairly and acting swiftly is extremely important. I think sometimes what I've seen is that some executives will want to have more certainty. You know, for instance, they may have a, say, a bake-off between two executives. One's going to stay and one's going to go. That can be a really difficult situation. And they say, well, we don't know enough yet, so we're going to wait a little bit longer, right? And, you know, the, the, the challenge is, is there's a balance with that, meaning that if you wait for too long, to, to your point, Toby, then it just becomes a very toxic environment. It does. I've seen that prevarication yeah. before, and it, and it has been to the detriment, you know, that you, where people don't want to make the tough decisions. And sometimes it's better to make a, a decision that's based, based on limited information, but do it quickly mm-hmm. um, than make no decision at all. Yeah, exactly right. And so some of these things, where I, I think we're, we're focused on the tough side of a deal, right? When there's yeah, redundancies yeah. and things of yeah. that nature. But, but it, it is really important to, and, and you know, if, if handled right, although it may not be ideal for everyone, but if it's handled well, it, it can really make a dif- difference in a deal. And on the other side of this as well, there are some, some cultural aspects that deal with emotional intelligence too that I wanted to get into and love to get your thoughts as well. You know, what I've found is that on paper, things look right. A lot of times deals don't go into cultural due diligence, but some people have an idea of what that is. And the idea to recognize that, you know, call out the differences in these communications and really do a good job of that will really put a lot of folks at ease. I remember one, one situation I was in where it was a larger organization that was acquiring a, a very entrepreneurial organization in an international capacity. And all the things lined up. Everything was good. The CEO came in, did a speech. And, and while that was happening, someone took a picture of the audience. And he got done with his all-hands meeting, and he felt pretty good about it. And then, you know, we looked at the picture of all the people in the audience. And the body language was extremely telling, right? Folks had their backs hunched over. They were looking down at the floor. No one was smiling. And, you know, the, the idea there was is, is that the messaging was wrong. They didn't really connect with that team. They're thinking, oh, my gosh, our, our, our way of uh, entrepreneurial ways of building this company are, are dying and we're being sucked into this, this larger organization and this is not going to be good. And, and you could tell that from everybody. And what happened afterwards was that the, the organization did keep that, comp- that portion of the company a standalone. So they were able to maintain that entrepreneurial culture and that autonomy to continue to innovate. But if they would have had that in the speech, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. hands meeting that would have made a huge difference. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can well imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that, that just wrapping that piece up, I mean, that for me again is one of the values you can bring to an MA 
and I'm picking up on your point about taking that photograph, Stefan, mm-hmm. is what I call management by walkabout. Right? It's always worthwhile throughout an M&A project, and this applies to senior leaders as well as the, the M&A integration team. Go for a walkabout. Go for a walk around the business. You, can, you, you will see and feel the atmosphere in the business. You're also making yourself available to people for informal questions. And it often allows you to spot issues that are starting to bubble away and to deal with them before they arise. But as I say, we're all we're all in wild agreement here because we've we've been through this process <laughs> so many times. Uh, uh, yeah, Stefan, I, I was going to mm-hmm. say it's been this is very interesting. I'm interested in your thoughts here. What what advice do you actually give employees who are actually confronted with uh, integration resulting from an M and A deal? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's one very very clear message that I send, but basically, do not be a deer in the headlights right? Do not just freeze and think, oh my gosh, you know, my world is changing. So I'm just going to hunker down and wait to see what happens. And oh, by the way, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. So I may check the job boards just in case, just kind of hedge my bets. And I'm just going to just, just see how it goes. And what happens in that mindset is your productivity goes down. And you're in a situation where whether you like it or not, in some cases, they'll do formal evaluations of you during a, a, a merger or acquisitions to, to see you know, how you fit in. But most often, you're being informally evaluated. You know, is this person a positive influence on the company? Is this person being positioned to grow within the firm? Those sorts of things. And if, if you're the type that goes, I'm just going to kind of be quiet sit back and wait to see what happens, you're, you're sort of being the kind of the numbered employee, right? Anything could happen to you. And so it's really important that, again, if you've been with a, f- a firm for 10, 20 years even, this is your, your second chance at a first impression. And coming, coming together with, with ideas, I, now since things are up in the air, I know the executive team is trying to figure it all out and how it all comes together. Maybe I should suggest how I could potentially contribute in a new way within the organization. Or here are some ideas that will improve our cost and revenue synergies that no one's thought about yet and put that to the executive team. Now that you're on their radar, sure. um, that makes a huge difference. Have, have you guys seen something similar or, or what are your thoughts with that? Well, I've personally seen people approach it that way and, and use it as an opportunity to put in constructive input, you know, to make that first impression. But I usually see people acting more emotionally, more down to yeah. like at the bottom of the Maslow's model, looking mm-hmm. at their personal safety and security. And that's often how I've seen it. But occasionally people do are very constructive and positive and will actually make a definite contribution and make a strong first impression. My, my thoughts on that is that that goes back to the executive again. So if you're an executive and your communication style is open and you're keeping people informed and you're encouraging people to be part of this, then that leads to a more positive outcome because people feel that they can trust their leadership. They're getting both the good and the bad news. You know, nothing's perfectly rosy. And it allows them to engage with the project and to be themselves and to come up with new ideas and thoughts without feeling that they're being ignored or, or passed aside. 
and, and yes, to Toby's point, people will still sort of hedge their bets and keep checking the job board occasionally to see what other options they've got. That's, that's natural. But again, if you involve people from the beginning, if you communicate well, then I think that's a, a, a key to any strong yeah. outcome on an M&A. What, what, what I was going to su- suggest, Stefan, if, if, if I could put you on the spot, sure. I mean, if we sort of bring this to a close, what's, what's your top three takeaways for this? Well, first off, and this is takeaway zero, so this doesn't count. I love Toby's comment about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yep. And, and, and the fact that one of the things that is, is, is really important for people to know is there's always a false sense of security as to when you could uh, lose your job. And the best way, the best hedge against that is to go higher up on those Maslow's hierarchy of needs and bring in a new ideas and, and be the person that the executives see of value. That's really important. And, and that's always important, but there's no, no better time than during a merger or acquisition to have, uh, have that happen. So I guess, I guess to point one on that is not to be silent. This is a time to embrace your job, think of new ways to improve your work, and to really engage. And you'll see executives that have good emotional intelligence, and you'll know when they're open to have a good conversation with you. And so if you find those executives, they're willing to listen, then that will be a tremendous asset for you. And you should work with them to see how you can better take your, your position and better take the company as a whole. So I think that, that, is, that is the one thing to, to, to be very focused on. Second, so that's from an employee perspective, is to engage leadership, do not be shy, and, and see where you can go with that. The second, I would say, the executive level, I think it's really important. You know, the executives typically have an A-type personality. You're a CEO. You'll see, you get through a presentation. The presentation ran flawlessly. There was no technical hookup. You hit all the bullet points. You ask people, hey, did I do a good job? And of course, they're going to say yes. Yep. <laughs> but the, the idea, though, is that, that you really have an understanding of looking at that body language, looking at individuals, seeing truly where you could have done better and where you need to focus your communication energy. And so I think that is a really important thing if you are a, a senior level executive or a CEO going through M&A integration. Number three, I'll be really soft here, and this, maybe this goes to my emotional intelligence side, is regardless of the situation, you know, understand that in your job, it's really important to have joy and really know that whatever you're doing is positive for you. And so if you're going through an M&A integration and you find yourself in a role that, that you don't like, then it's really important to speak up about that. Because if, if you want to be a long-term uh, person within your organization, you've got to communicate what works well and what doesn't work well. And the more that, that you just kind of grin and bear it, uh, the more it's going to eat on you. And it's not going to be good for the business as a whole. It's not going to be good for your business career or your personal life. So it's really important to really find that joy, use the opportunity of change within an, a merger acquisition to position yourself for a role that you enjoy. Uh, and so that would be my third point. That sounds great. (laughs) If I may summarize, communicate with joy. Hey, perfect. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) um, Stefan, it's great talking to you. And by the way, look, just to remind us, most of the fellows are talking about during a merger or acquisition, um, employee perspectives. So we've been talking with Stefan Hoffmar, Senior Partner, Global PMI Partners. 
Stefan, look, this has been a great chat about emotional intelligence. It's such an important topic. Just want to say thank you. It's been an enjoyable conversation. I personally enjoyed it and uh, your um, three uh, key points. Anything from your side, uh, Robert? No, I think that's just a perfect point to end, you know, to end a podcast <laughs> talking about communicating with joy. You can't get any better. <laughs> I, I think that's a, I will, I will echo Toby's thoughts. Uh, we are very grateful to you for your time today and for your contribution to this podcast. And as uh, everybody knows, we're going to be back next week with another topic and another podcast. And so for the time being, this is myself, this is Toby Tester and Stefan Hofmeyer saying bye for now. Bye.